Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. Today I'm joined by the gorgeous Kat Strawbridge, who's going to share a really authentic journey of becoming a mum. This episode may trigger you if you've been affected by infertility, miscarriage and other aspects of fertility. I was thinking, oh gosh, at the birth, it's not going to live up to it because I'm going to think, where's the other baby, you know, and her first birthday and that kind of thing. And actually, they're not the times that it comes into my mind at all, which I'm really pleased about because I don't want it to take away from her. But my husband passed me a trolley in the supermarket. This is going back a few months now, and it had two children's seats in it. And it was that that totally floored me. And I couldn't put Ren in one and have the other one empty. I just had to give it back and get a different one because it it just was staring me in the face that we should have had another baby in that seat. And it's, um, yeah, so it, it really, and I, I know that you'll know this well and all the grief work that you do, it does, it hits you out of nowhere, doesn't it? Um, often, which can be one of the hardest things actually to deal with. Despite the journey Kat's been on, there are moments of laughter as we talk about grief, loss, and the things people say along the way. So come join us now. Today on the show, I'm joined by the gorgeous Kat Strawbridge, who's podcast host of Finally Pregnant. She's an Instagrammer, fertility patient, coach and mum. So hello there to Kat. Hi there, Shelley. Thank you so much for having me. Bless you. I think this one's going to be very close to my heart. So please do share your journey through positive changes with us. So um, our journey is one of infertility and loss. And as you mentioned there, I am mum. So I am one of the very, very lucky ones. Like even oh, even saying that, it makes me feel, I mean, I've got like the goosebumps, you know. Um, I really am one of the very lucky ones. And I know how my story ends. And I really do, because actually we've now come to the end of our fertility journey just recently. But start going back to the beginning in 2012, we did the traditional get married. We weren't even going to get married, but then we did in the end. Um, And a few months later, we started trying to conceive. Um, I do think that I got pregnant a couple of times naturally, um, just had like real serious waves of nausea um, and crippling pain and other time um just before like I, I'd, I'd convinced myself that I was having an ectopic pregnancy at that point but um but other than that and, and none of them were confirmed we 
didn't get pregnant at all. And so we ended up about a year later um, going to have some fertility investigations. Fast forward, we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is like, I know people who have reasons for their infertility and get answers and they still not can't necessarily get fixed and get pregnant so I'm not saying that having answers is everything but not knowing why you can't get pregnant and nobody being able to tell you is incredibly frustrating it really is we had three rounds of IUI which is interuterine insemination which is essentially them putting the sperm in me at the right time um, and they didn't work we had a fresh round of IVF in 2014 and I got pregnant and I had walked into, you know, IVF thinking, yes, we're going to get our baby now. Got pregnant. Brilliant. Um, cracked on, you know, we didn't tell anyone with other than close family and friends who knew we were having IVF. And um, sadly, we went to our first scan. So about seven weeks and we were told that we were having a missed miscarriage, which means that the pregnancy sac has implanted, but the embryo hasn't grown. So that was like heartbreaking and devastating. Don't even cut it. You know, we were 100% into that pregnancy. It was our baby. We knew when its due date was. It was it was everything. Um, and and then it wasn't all of a sudden it was completely taken away from us so that was really difficult we had two frozen embryos from that round of IVF and we gave ourselves a bit of time to heal uh, physically and emotionally and then we transferred those two embryos unfortunately we didn't get pregnant with them I left work at this point because I realized that I was like really unraveling and I consider myself a very confident competent individual and I was running a team and I just knew that I wasn't doing a good job for me or for them. And it got to the point where I was in a meeting and I just said something out loud that really normally I would have kept to myself. <laughs> but I think I was just at the end of my tether with these people and this like ridiculous company politics. And I just, it just came out of my mouth. And at that point I thought, mm, I think I might need to take a break. So I did go off sick um, <laughs> shortly after that. Do you know what? What I said was not wrong. <laughs> Incidentally, <laughs> I stand by it. I just wouldn't normally have said it out loud. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so I went off sick initially, something I never thought I would do from work. You know, like I said, I kind of, I'm just not the sort of person that does that, but evidently I am, you know, and there's no shame in that. And I, and I didn't go back essentially um I went on to have another round of IVF um, which was a hugely intensive round of IVF which cost like tens of thousands of pounds got pregnant but at that point we kind of we didn't get carried away with that positive pregnancy test and we did unfortunately end up miscarrying again and I, I don't want to <laughs> um, I just don't want to make this too long but um, to cut us the rest of the kind of the next few years we took a two-year break we had another round that didn't work and then we had our one for luck round having had a gynecologist review our folder and look back over all of our notes we went with him we had a one for luck round just as I turned 40 and um, we were blessed truly with our daughter Ren um, again it was a very straightforward pregnancy we had transferred one embryo 
which had split. So the first time we saw a heartbeat, we then saw another heartbeat, which was just, oh my gosh, mind blowing. Um, and we were in shock, actually, like a grateful shock, but shock nonetheless. The car's not big enough. The house is not big enough. How are we going to be able to afford all this? Um, but so grateful. But unfortunately, by week 10, um, we lost one of our twins. So that was I remember standing in front of my sister that day and just saying, like, I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm pregnant with a baby. And yet I'm here grieving my other baby. And like, how can it not be straightforward for me? You know, just one time. Um, but we were really, really lucky to bring home our little survivor, as we call her, Wren. Um, and so she's just turned two. She's two in a couple of months. She's very special. Um, but we gave it a bit of time. COVID happened. So we couldn't transfer an embryo because the fertility clinics closed um, in July, just gone. So literally last month, we transferred our final ever embryo. I'm 43 next month. You know, we're exhausted. We are financially spent. We've spent £45,000 on this. We've not worked because of treatment becoming too much emotionally physically um and so our financial situation is is somewhat you know like we have to be really grateful again compared to other people we've got a roof over our heads and everything but it's significantly different to what we had expected it to be given where we were you know 10 years ago um and but we so we transferred the embryo but unfortunately it didn't take so i'm not currently pregnant and that is the end of our trying to conceive which is again I find myself in quite a deep grief around that um, but because of the things I've learned along the way I'm hoping that it will be something that I can manage in a kind of you know like positively I suppose and I don't mean that in as in I can turn it into a good thing although hopefully I'll see the silver linings of having one child um, but that I can just support myself you know, really well during this bit of our journey um, so that I can come out the side, the other side, happy and healthy and confident and, and more quickly perhaps than I've done before. Bless you. You've been through so much. I mean, I think listeners know that I had my own infertility journey, but I've never heard people speak so openly about IVF and the miscarriages that go with that. So we didn't go for IVF, but we miscarried a lot. But I was really surprised that even with IVF, there's still so many miscarriages. I've heard that, you know, the eggs don't take and things like that. But there's just so much grief because you've lost, well, I don't know where to start. You've lost the ones that didn't take, the ones that started to take and then went, and then the final one now at the age of 43 hasn't. And as you say, like time heals, but you've not really had much time to heal because it's kind of been back to back since, you know, the last few years or so. It really has. And without kind of, you know, I don't want this to be a pity party, but when you're going through this, and, and, and I, I, th I think you'll know this from a point of view of loss is you get your period every month, every month. It's like, oh, I'm not pregnant again, you know? And so even before you get to the stage where you are having any medical intervention, whatever that may be, you've already lost, you know, like could be, you know, tens, hundreds of children where you've been trying and you've created their memories in, you know, the memories that you would have created with them. They're, they're in your head already. Certainly when we lost our first pregnancy, 
I was it it was it was particularly tough in in lots of different ways but even now that one probably affects me quite a lot because I've got three sisters and um my the one who's older than me and one of the ones who's younger than me were pregnant at the same time I was and one of them had a baby in June of that year I would have been due in August and the other one had a baby in September and I less so now fortunately but certainly for the years before we had Ren and when they were babies and they were lined up in pictures of you know like from smallest to biggest you know all the cousins and everything I always saw that gap in the middle you know and the gap that should have had our baby in it and so yeah it's just there's a lot of grief that hits you in different ways as well the unexpected ways like just on that point um I was really nervous apprehensive worried when we lost our I you know Ren's twin I was thinking oh gosh at the birth it's not going to live up to it because I'm going to think where's the other baby you know and her first birthday and that kind of thing and actually they're not the times that it comes into my mind at all which I'm really pleased about because I don't want it to take away from her but my husband passed me a trolley in the supermarket this is going back a few months now and it had two children's seats in it and it was that that totally floored me and I couldn't put Ren in one and have the other one empty I just had to give it back and get a different one because it would it just was staring me in the face that we should have had another baby in that seat and it's um yeah so it it really and I I know that you'll know this well and all the grief work that you do it does it hits you out of nowhere doesn't it yeah um often which can be one of the hardest things actually to deal with yeah it is I think it is like the due dates or when other people sort of have I don't know like an innocence around their pregnancy they just trust that everything's going to be okay and that's never been my journey because I've had like loss child lost child five consecutive losses um and then daisy was one of triplets certainly twins but maybe triplets and so i do have that gratitude that i'm pregnant but i'm petrified and you know and there's no innocence and there's no sharing the news and things like that and it is i don't want to be ungrateful because obviously my family's now complete but it's just heartbreaking isn't it because when you've had loss nothing quite fills that gap I believe that you know time does heal and we do you know the grief gets lighter but it is these little trolley moments like you have or you know the dates and things like that or certain smells and loads of strange things that trigger what I call the grief tsunami you think you're going along with the flow of life and you just get whacked sideways by that what could have been should have been would have been kind of moment so no I hear you it's really hard. I was, um, you know, one of the things that I say is like everyone's pain is different, but everyone's pain is valid. So I, I will compare this because it's, my, you know, my situation and um, but I wouldn't want to anyone else to kind of, you know, kind of invalidate my pain by saying this to me do you know what I mean it's like when someone says something about one of your siblings or something and you're like no 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 no. I'm allowed to berate them (laughs) but you're not allowed to um but recently I was talking to someone who I don't know particularly well but I'm really open about our journey and I happened to tell her that we were we had an embryo on board 
And then the next time I saw her, we knew that the IVF hadn't worked. So I was talking to her about that. And, and we got into talking about it. And I said, actually, actually, funny enough, I did tell her that story about like seeing the gap in the middle between my, you know, two, my niece and nephew. And she said, oh, well, you can't, you can't do that. You, you can't do that. I had a child that I lost and I remember doing that and you just have to stop yourself doing it. And it really, it, do you know what? It was a bit of tough love that I needed to hear because I personally do think that having a living child and losing them would be worse than what I have been through personally. But, uh, you know, I can say that. <laughs> um <laughs> But it really did. It, it really made it put it into perspective. It really did. And I'm just going to mention something about that. Sorry, if you don't mind me saying so. Um, I there's there's a TED talk and I can't think of the lady. I'll try and send it to you so you can put it in the show notes of a lady who has got multiple children. I want to say that she's got six, um, but one of them passed away. I can't remember the details, maybe childhood illness rather than an accident. Um and then she's also experienced miscarriage and someone said to her what's worse and she said well what would you prefer to lose your right arm or your left arm and I just thought wow you know that's a you know it isn't about comparison you know it's just all of it is heartbreaking and and I just what that when she explained that I just made it yeah it was it was a real kind of I don't know, penny drop moment for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love how you're sharing the different things that people say. And we've actually looked back and laughed at some of it. And it is in my next book, actually, Good Grief, because people just say, I don't know what they say really. I don't know if it's inappropriate. I always have this thing that I'd rather someone said something rather than blanked me. But they say things like, oh, it obviously wasn't meant to be obviously there's a problem or you would have had a disabled child or really bizarre things like so-and-so has been constipated did I tell you and I've heard it all I really have <laughs> whether it's a nurse or it's a miscarrying mum I have heard it all but I do think this I'd rather people always said something to me rather than nothing because I think it just makes you feel even more painted and invisible when people aren't recognizing it and I think that's the hard thing I mean grief can be difficult anyway but I think when it's with pregnancy, like say like my beautiful stepdad died back in 2005 and people know that my dad's not around, so he's died. But people don't know that you're pregnant or that you're trying or that you've had a miscarriage and it's like a silent grief. And we sort of like suffer in silence almost. So when we do find the courage to say like, well, I wanted my child to be in the middle of that photo or I was due on this day, I'm finding it hard. And people will say sort of like, obviously not meant to be or get on with it. You're thinking, oh, bless you for trying to say the right thing. But actually my heart's a little bit broken. <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult. And I have learned, I think over the years, not to be quite as perhaps judgmental, but like, I know people who can't deal with it. I know that if I'm in not the right mood, someone saying, well, at least you can get pregnant. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can swear or not, but that's what I would do to them. You know, because because for me getting and I, I, I suspect you were exactly the same for me. Getting pregnant was a million miles from actually bringing my baby home. And yeah, so anything when people ask me, what should I say? Or what should I anything with at least anything with just as in just <laughs> adopt? Why don't you just adopt? There is no just in adoption. Let me tell you, I know a lot of people who have adopted and there is no just, you know, and um, 
and you know so I totally hear you I remember having conversations with my mum and she would say probably when I would say why don't you bring it up and she's like well I don't want to upset you I don't want to remind you that was the killer I don't want to remind you I'm like wow I can assure you that whatever I'm doing the fact that I am unable to have a child when nine times out of ten I am you know they're running around me because if I'm with you I'm with my sisters and their little ones you know you are not going to remind me some days I won't be able to talk about it and so as long as you will allow me to say not today you know if you ask and don't feel rejected by that just know that I'm not in a space where I can talk about it and other days I will probably tell you way too much information and you will, <laughs> you'll regret you asked but not because you reminded me just because you get this torrent of, of, of information and feeling um but yeah I completely agree when people don't say anything it can make that isolation that you're already feeling deeper and you do feel incredibly alienated and ignored and there's a lot of shame and embarrassment about not being able to do something that should be so quote like natural and everyone else literally that you bump into seems to be able to do um and and I think that silence is 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 just perpetuating that, and and that's why we need to talk about it, and 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 ask the questions that we don't understand, you know. And but do it, try and do it in either to someone that isn't going through it right now, or maybe it's you know don't ask the questions of the person that you know that you know that you care about and you want to support I have messages on Instagram from people who say my sister is going through this my best friend is going through this what can I do you know they're going through their two-week wait how can I support them they've just suffered a miscarriage how can I make it better and that is like again I get the goosebumps because that is just like what an amazing friend what an amazing individual that they are coming to me who is open and talking about it and it doesn't have to be me you know there's lots of other people out there doing that so that they can support their friend in the best way you know and that's that's incredible it really is yeah and I think it is so important that if you don't know what to say well one you could just say I don't know what to say but I'm here for you but it is reaching out and I always just think with any grief whether it's like miscarriage loss you know loss of health confidence whatever you are losing if you're dealing with a friend just deal with your friend how you'd want them to deal with you mm-hmm. you know would they like to talk about it do they just want to eat chocolate do they want a one-to-one time and go shopping and it is I think we make it so complex that's why grief gets so complicated don't overthink it I mean, to be honest, people, some things that people have said to me, I don't think they've overthought it at all. Like, it's not meant to be, Shelley. (laughs) I don't think they've thought at all. No, no, at all. (laughs) But they're having a go, bless them. But I think, you know, sometimes if it's your friend, I know it's a unique situation, but you know how to talk to your friend to just have a go sort of thing. Yeah. You don't even need to say anything, do you? It's like that long extra hug, extra long hug, you know? And it's like, I'm here and I know this is tough. Like, don't try to fix it. You know, that's that's so many people do that with lots of things, don't they? Yeah. Um, and you, you can't fix it. It's it's really, really. I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> I <just should>. Oops. <laughs> it's really, really difficult. And so, yeah, just let them know you're there and and you know that it's hard and you will always be there for them. Bless you. I love that. And I love the fact you've got Ren in your life. I think that's just gorgeous but how did you get from the the IUI the IVF you know 
feeling broken, quitting your job, to turning it around and getting this whole community about being finally pregnant. How did you, you know, get these tips and tools for yourself? It's a really good question. So really it came out of following our second miscarriage. So we had had multiple rounds of treatment at that stage, um, two miscarriages, um, lots of negative tests. And I was broken. I really, really was. I barely got out of bed in the morning. I only did because we had builders in our house. Do you know that? And I wore the <laughs> same pair of tracksuit bottoms. Like, oh my gosh, a jumper that really should have gone in the bin like several months before it did. And these old builders boots. And that's what I wore time and time again. I only got up to let them in and make them a cup of tea. I was just a shadow of my former self is how I explain it I wasn't a mum which was the one thing I'd so desperately wanted I wasn't working so I just felt like I had no identity I had put on lots of weight because of treatment and wine when it had failed none of my clothes fit me you know I just I the way that I talk about it is I looked in the wardrobe and I just I my lack of identity was just reflected at me because I just didn't know who I was or what I'd was doing and I was really fortunate actually my husband ended up changing work at that point like he'd changed work and it hadn't gone well for various reasons and he'd changed back but he wasn't bringing in a lot of money either but he and he was broken as well to be fair but he went and got enough money for us to kind of survive and I was able the first thing that I did do you know what it was sign up to a life drawing class because I remembered when I was younger how much I enjoyed life drawing. And I remember that it was a space where I could go and just focus on what I was doing, you know, like mindfulness in its truest form. And what came out of that was me and a load of retirees on a Thursday <laughs> who were just really nice to me, whether they knew my story or not, they were just really warm. And, and it was just a nice kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Vanilla perhaps, but just, you know, like innocent, I guess, place to be. It was lovely. And, and sometimes I was reminded that I was talented, you know, and I could do something. And that is what I so desperately needed because at that point I wasn't able, I wasn't fulfilling any of my dreams or needs or ambitions or wants, or, you know, they were all gone. And so just to something as simple as picking up a bit of chalk and charcoal and drawing something. And sometimes, yeah, don't get me wrong. I ripped it up, <laughs> but I've got one of them on my wall at home. And it just reminded me that I was talented. And so that was my first step. Then I, um, I did get a job actually just three days a week somewhere local to me and it just get actually getting in a shop you know and 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 being with people helped me you know remind me to talk to people and like now I think gosh really did I need that but I really did I was really in the depths and 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 just some statistics around infertility 90 I think it's over 90 percent of people say that they have suffered you know depressive symptoms and 42 percent say that they have considered suicide and had suicidal thoughts you know so it's it's the mental health implications of infertility are are huge they really are and um but going out yeah to a shop and working three days a week and then I started walking to the shop um in the summer months you know so that I just started kind of feeling better about my body and losing a bit of weight and then I ended up actually going to the gym a lot um and you know like I, I heard a friend of mine talks about uh, you know finding your life raft and and the gym and exercise for me actually has always been my life raft uh, but never more so than then because my body like I say wasn't doing what 
I felt like it was supposed to do. And so what I wanted to do was make it strong in, in a different way, in a kind of, you know, in a physical way. Um, and I started weight training and I don't mean like big muscly, like, you know, fake tan oil <laughs> <laughs> competition, weight training, but just really making my body strong. And it, like it helped me build my confidence and you know I guess get back into work and and start to, I'd always been open with my friends and family about my infertility but one thing uh, there was an article in a newspaper with a CNN reporter who I ended up reaching out to because of the work that I then started doing um, I met with her she told me about Instagram and then I joined Instagram in 2017 and really I haven't turned back because the community on there inevitably when you're going through this a lot of people leave Facebook because you get to a certain age and it's scan picture scan picture scan picture and Instagram isn't like that you don't have to be friends with your friends and family you know you can do it under a complete pseudonym and it can be private and um but the community there is just incredible it really is and that allowed me to share my journey and receive support but also to offer support to other people and and that's where when I did finally get pregnant um lots of people came to me and said, you know, where is the support for this stage of your journey? Because you're so right in what you mentioned earlier on. When I was pregnant, I was petrified. And then I went through a loss during my pregnancy. So I continued to be petrified after I'd kind of got to a stage where I thought, oh, this might work, you know? Um, and then because you're in that environment, you do hear other people's like just heartbreaking stories. So that is one of the downsides, maybe, you know, too much. Um, but ultimately, you know, you just, you're not happy until you bring that baby home. And so people said to me, like, where is the support for this stage of your journey? And there wasn't any. And, and I just get so much personally from talking about my story. I actually find it incredibly liberating. Um, so, you know, whether that's to your friend, whether that's to a family member, whether that's anonymously on an Instagram account whether that is publicly you know wherever you choose to do that I just I find that really liberating in itself um and 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 I launched the finally pregnant podcast and I love listening even to the first episode which is when I was pregnant and talking through that pregnancy so I'm grateful that I've got that because I'm not going to be pregnant again, unfortunately. Um, but I know that that offers hearing other people's stories of being finally pregnant and all different experiences I talk, to, I talk about, as in have guests who talk about their experience. It really, yeah, it just felt so natural. And I've kind of forgotten what the question was. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've just totally gone off on one. <laughs> I love that. I love the passion. No, talking about the... Um tools and tips that you did to yes, get yes. from that rock bottom and from that not being pregnant and I was smiling because I think it was during my last pregnancy and it was just a horrific pregnancy this was before I even knew that we was going to be told to terminate at week 20 but it was just whilst I was there because I had that fear of pregnancy um because I thought you know I'm better at miscarrying than I am having a take-home baby statistically oh. speaking it was the art of distraction and people might say oh you're in denial and it's like it's not it's how I handle my grief and whether I was pregnant or not pregnant I always believe in creating positive changes being curious and so you're saying about like the life drawing the walking and going back to work because I resigned from nursing during my infertility 
it's because all I could think of was just I wanted a bigger family and so I get that but I tried um Chinese tea ceremony I think I did calligraphy laughter yoga daily walking mediumship circles anything I just tried it all and you know I have got a, a bit like yourself I have got a happy ending because I do have children not the amount I wanted but you know I've had a blast in between do you know what I mean in between the sadness the loss trying to make sense of it all the bitterness and the anger and the self-hatred and everything else I've had there's been moments where I've absolutely loved it I've been camping with the kids I've been on a retreat on my own and it is finding those tips and tools along the way and it's never perfect life's not perfect but I think sometimes I always remember my husband saying to me um I think it was during like the five consecutive losses that I just really wanted to give up. It was that sort of that depression and that anxiety, not quite the suicidal thoughts. So they came later <laughs> during another pregnancy. But, um, you know, I was just like, what the hell am I doing? I'm going loopy here. And it's before I tried all the Chinese tea ceremonies, the calligraphy and everything like that. And my husband's like, it's like anything in life. If you really want it, the only way to get it is to go for it and just don't stop till you make it. And so... Yeah, I love what you're saying about the rawness, because I think you said earlier about like time will heal. And I wasn't allowing myself time to heal because I was in my late 30s. And we just doing back to back pregnancy, back to back trying, you know, and it has been a mucky journey. But I love what you're doing. Like, There's a chapter in my first book, Positive Changes, a self-kick book, and it's called From Mess to Message. And it is taking my mess. I've made so much mess in my life, Kat. <laughs> so I've got many messages to share. But it is taking the mess of like having seven miscarriages that I know of and many of those multiple pregnancies and saying like, just keep going for it. You know, it will hurt like a bitch. And I don't know what your outcome is going to be. But as my husband said, if you really want something, just keep trying. Yeah, I love that mess to message. Like that just speaks to me so <laughs> much because I was an absolute mess. And now this is my message that, like you say, you know, no one can guarantee what someone's outcome will be. And there are people, and it's really hard to say this, it's hard for people to hear it, that that won't have a child. There are people who will have to shift their goalposts, you know, or goalposts. Um, and we were certainly in the situation where, when as we went into our last round, um, the one that gave us Ren, I said to my husband that, because he was like, that's the end. I'm not doing any more IVF after this. And I said, well, I am 100% with you with our egg, like my eggs, but I need to look into donor conception. And I often say that I don't think you can make those decisions properly until you're in a position where you need to make the decisions. But certainly um, kind of looking at what potential options are that are out there and donor conception is one of them. Adoption is another one. You know, it's it's it can sometimes um like I say, be about moving the goalposts. But with each of one of those, you know, it comes the grief. You know, if you go to donor conception, it's about grieving the loss of your biological connection. You know, if you go to surrogacy, um, it's about, you know, grieving the fact that you're not going to carry that baby. And, and so like grief just is so intertwined with infertility and loss in 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 really obvious ways you know that's talk about state the obvious but 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 in lots of other ways as well that I think that people don't realize and and that can impact you forever ultimately um 
and and that's why like I guess my main thing is is community and finding people that you can talk to about it and and understanding that you know just different people's experiences I read someone's book the other day she's a solo mum um and her name's Liv Thorne and she talked literally in the first kind of three or four pages of her book about how she had this whole story written out about you know meeting a guy getting married and you know she goes into more detail having children da, 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 da. and actually where she found herself is a solo mum who got pregnant through IVF with sperm donation and she's got one child rather than lots of children you know and it was it again going back to that perspective thing for me it just it made me feel less alone that other people you know know that grief and and that I could reach out to her and she could just nod along when I talked to her even though our situations were completely different and it also made me really grateful it was a reminder to me that I did get some of that story that I've got a wonderful husband you know that like it's our biological child and and so it with that with that kind of hug of of I'm not alone it also you know there I, I'm reminded to be so grateful for the for the things that have worked for me as well and and that's what I'm going through very much at the moment like we so desperately wanted another child we want Ren to have a sibling and 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 that's not going to happen you know I know there's a chance we could have a miracle pregnancy I can tell you that the stats of getting pregnant after IVF are one in five you know like I know lots of people who have got but We've been doing this for 10 years, you know, and we have tried continuously throughout. I'm 43 next month. My husband, you know, the chances of it happening are slim. It's possible, but we're not going to sit back and rely on that. Um, so we are dealing with the grief that we will have one child and that Ren won't have siblings. And 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 that's tough. It really is tough. It's it's rewiring our brains to a different future and it's a wonderful future don't get me wrong we are so grateful because three years ago we thought our future was childless and it's it's wonderful wonderful but it's it's different and and we need to get our heads around that and that's going to take a bit of time yeah I think that's just so powerful because I think whether you want children or not I think we do write the script of how we see our life going I think it's only in my 40s I realised, like, oh, hang on, I don't know if it's the universe, has other plans, my soul, or just life as it is. But, you know, I thought I was going to be like this like, top-notch nurse, you know, and I wanted seven children. I think when I was younger, I didn't want any children, you know, and it's okay to rewrite the story. It can be painful because you are grieving the story that you had. But I love that when you say about moving the goalposts. So thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah, I love that. One of the things I have to say, and if someone said this to me in the middle of my fertility journey, I would hear it maybe, but I wouldn't necessarily, I can't imagine that I would have been able to change things. But one of the things that really my husband and I have been reflecting on is that about, and, and like it sounds so corny, but it's just where we are right now, about um, life is what happens when you're making plans. And I think that coming out of this at the age that I am now and and I see I feel old actually I think because I kind of look forward now whereas I've always been looking in the now and the kind of let's why isn't this happening now why isn't this happening now and I do suddenly feel quite old and like where have the last 10 years of my life gone and it was we were planning to have children and it, you know it's happened gratefully you know we've got one um but now we really need to focus on life 
you know, and enjoying it and what that can be. And and it's it, it's a nice place to be actually right now, I have to say. But I wish that I could have kind of felt that before. And we did try, you know, don't get me wrong. We went on holidays and we did try and do stuff. But it's it's overwhelming going through infertility, you know, and, and there is so many things you can't do because you can't plan is, is like the big thing. And then you can't maybe eat stuff or drink stuff or, you know, all different things when you're having treatment. And um, and there's lots of different theories. Lots of them are rubbish. Some of them, not so much. But, you know, we all do what we need to do. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's it's a nice. Yeah, it's a good it's, it feels in a way like a really good place to be right now. I love that. I did smile because I think I can't remember it probably was during the five consecutive losses we come to this theory that maybe we're losing boys got to get it right yeah I think it was our theory was we must be losing boys so we went on a diet and it's all to do with eating certain food types and so it's a lot of dairy and all I remember Kat was a lot of sweet potato I still can't eat to this day it makes me gag <laughs> but there was some diet theory thing that if you had like this sweet potato and high dairy content then you were more likely to have a girl which means then I'm more likely to bring it to fruition okay so we did this I said this was um probably 10 years ago as well and to this day I still need counseling around sweet potatoes I've had (laughs) far too many and then the first child we had was a boy oh no way yeah yeah oh but But you have to try don't you you? do yeah we went I've done like loads of alternative therapies I have gone completely organic I have done this that and the other and do you know what I don't I don't berate any of them I think you have to do what you've got to do and as far as you know maybe the diet as well actually and exercise and but certainly the alternative therapies I think it is about about making you as strong as you can be um like one of the things is no regrets so don't do anything that you think you know oh damn I wish I had done that just do it if you can afford it and that kind of thing but the other thing is about making you as strong as you can be because then whatever the outcome you know you're in a stronger position to deal with that and and if that's getting pregnant which is amazing but then, you know, the subsequent, as we've both talked about anxiety and fear around, you know, how is that pregnancy going to go and all of that worry, then, you know, you still need that inner strength to be able to deal with that. And if it's not getting pregnant, it's that inner strength about, you know, like, right, how am I going to deal with this and grieve? And it's okay to feel rubbish and cry and sit on the sofa and, and do all of that, do what you need to do. But then that inner strength will be one of the things that can help you kind of regroup and and get back to who you were and or maybe to a slightly different version of you actually is the truth, isn't it? Um, But to get on the next steps to decide what you want to do next. So like I am a total advocate of whatever you want to do. It's I think one of the, the really difficult things is there's so much out there and and it, a lot of it costs a lot of money and it's you know like the desperation so that that's what I struggle with for people now um it's it's really really difficult and just because something works for someone else anyway anyway I digress <laughs> no I, I love it because I was thinking about um I call it the daisy pregnancy well obviously the pregnancy from hell um <laughs> in my daisy pregnancy <laughs> she's seven now we were, she was the one that was triplets and then we just kept miscarrying like kept bleeding for like months and then at 20 weeks we was told to um terminate her but having had so many losses and I was like 40 thinking oh, this is my last chance so we went with it and I think it was probably I'd already left nursing and then I'd returned um 
but I think because clinically I was told there's nothing we can do for her but spiritually I'd seen a baby girl to come must be all these sweet potatoes um that I thought well I can't trust clinical but you know I can trust myself and so I totally went down the spiritual route and I've never looked back and it was like the visualizations the positive self-talk telling her she's well color therapy I had psychic surgery we had Reiki every two weeks um just believed in miracles you know and she's here and she's seven and she's amazing um and it is that thing you said about no regrets because I'd worked at the end of life for many years as a nurse and at the end of your years at the end of your journey of whatever that is with children or without you never regret the things you did do only things you didn't and so I'm glad I don't care if it's wacky you know if I did like you know the affirmation psychic surgery I've got a seven-year-old to me that worked for me so I'll always say yeah live a life of no regrets totally yeah 100% I completely agree and whatever that look like looks like to you um and and lots of the things that you talk about like I am 100% behind incidentally um, <laughs> <laughs> um then yeah do 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 you kind of thing I guess yeah yeah but no regrets yeah is a big one for me yeah absolutely so you've shared so much and I've absolutely loved your authentic raw and heartbreaking share I really have so people listening today and it might not be fertility it may just be they want to make a difference to their life and think why how what is the one positive change you'd say they could start with today I I have kind of said it and I'm sorry <laughs> but I think it is community I think it's reaching out to people and you don't have to talk to them you know you don't even you don't even need to enter into that conversation they don't need to know that you're looking and you're you know like it's okay to lurk sometimes but find people who understand your story find people who have have been somewhere similar to where you are right now and 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 start paying attention to that and as and when you're ready you know, do reach out, you know, if that is on Instagram, which is where I do a lot of my work, you know, it's sometimes people, you know, like I've, I've DM'd people who've got hundreds of thousands of followers and had a response. I also know that, you know, we haven't all got loads of time. So don't be offended if people don't get back to you, but comment on things, you know, talk to people, get involved in the community. I have got absolutely zero regrets about that. I have made lifelong friends who totally get me and and actually have opened an amazing world to me of friendships you know and and it's and they've got all different experiences and all different numbers of children or or you know whether they've got children or not and and I just think that reaching out just make that just yeah just community whatever that looks like to you <coughs> that would be my my main main thing because I can pretty much guarantee whatever it is you're going through, you are not the first person to go through this. I, it, it feels like that, you know, I totally get it. And I know all of our experiences are different, but there are people out there who have been through the same, if not very similar. Um, and, and it really, to coin a phrase, it is really, really good to talk. So, yeah. No, I love that another one of the life lessons from the dying is about connecting something bigger than yourself and as we said earlier like you know that all of our grief is unique but there is something quite 
unified about when we do have a loss, whether it's loss of sort of like normalcy like we've had in the pandemic or you know, loss of a dream of wanting seven children. When you have it, there is a connection with others which has a real healing power. And so I was going to say, like, if whether it's a death cafe, a forum, healthcare professional, Instagram, or, you know, finding a group like you did with the life drawing, just do something to break up that narrative in your head about how it should be and how it's going. So thank you. I love the community. I really do. So bless you. You're over on Instagram. So how can you support people? I know you've got a lovely freebie you offer them. Yes. Yeah, about so that. I so what like and it's nuts to me even now that I, <laughs> I like support people through pregnancies like that is the greatest gift and I will always be there for people who are trying to conceive at whatever stage like please please and and I remember seeing people who had children who had been through a fertility journey and I thought and I did think that I was like you don't you don't remember you don't understand you've got a child I promise you I do understand I'm also very mindful I think I said this at the beginning I know how my story ends and I am definitely one of the lucky ones but I will always be there for people who are trying to conceive. But I, a lot of my work currently focuses around people who are finally pregnant after infertility and loss. So there is, as you mentioned, there's my top five strategies to enjoy your pregnancy. I'm never going to get rid of anyone's anxiety. You know, there is always going to be about that. What I talk about is kind of stealing back, you know, some of the moments so that we can enjoy as much as we can. And that is through community, through affirmations, through like lots of different things. There's my podcast. Um, I'm just wrapping up season five of that and I'm going to take a break but there's like 50 episodes that you can listen to um, now um, my Instagram and I, I do run a community called the hangout for people who are finally pregnant and parenting um, so you know because it, it does impact into parenting a lot of the time as well so we we just had a meetup actually an in real life meetup yay <laughs> it was so amazing there was an optional hug you didn't have to hug but lots of <laughs> <laughs> and it was very nice um just that connection with people it's just so important so yeah lots of different ways that you can um connect with me and and look for the support you need um is out there so or and it, and if it's not something that I can help you with I know a lot about this community I know a lot of different people in this community I'm 100% here to signpost you to the people that can help you Kat Strawbridge, I've absolutely loved connecting with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Shelley. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kickbook from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>